0: Up with an idea this morning, I was kind of chewing a little bit of grass and boom <laughs> came up to me just Jesus. boom, just like that from like your third stomach. The idea was go ahead, Bo, tell them people tipping, people tipping, Chicken. tipping over people. People usually tip us over. We're gonna reverse the roles, reverse, we're gonna show them. We're going to show them how it really feels. Reverse, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to show them people tipping. I wonder what it'd look like. I get to follow that today. Um, I assure you as a staff, we get things done from time to time. We don't just make funny movies, although I will say that is a big part of who we are. And I, for that, I make no apologies. But uh, today, Pastor Aaron is actually uh, enjoying a little spring break with his family. And so uh, I get the opportunity to kick off a brand new series called Cow Tipping. And on this series, in this series, if you have this little... It, Excuse me. If you have this little invite card when you came in today, uh, on the back side it kind of tells you what we're what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks. The church has sacred cows, things that they are afraid to talk about, but we're going to talk about them. We're going to go cow tipping. There's a lot of issues that uh, society has a whole lot to say about, Um, and yet, and, and they're major issues that we deal with. But the church so often is just completely silent on these issues, and almost awkwardly silent. I mean, there's just major things. There's epidemics that are happening in the world that we live in, and the Bible has a lot to say about these subjects, but so often as a church, we just get afraid to talk about them. We think it's kind of awkward, and so we just, we just let's just not go there. And the subject matter that we're going to be dealing with over the next four weeks, it's not just so we can be I don't like cutting edge or ch- try to just sh- shock people. I mean, that's not what we're trying to accomplish with this. We believe that there are people that are living in, in just uh, just an incredible amount of bondage in sin, and and there's just people that are just struggling. And rather than looking at it as a con- condemnation type of a thing, there's people that are sick and are dying on the inside and are completely robbed of the joy that Jesus talks about. And, and so we decided, you know, let's just talk about these issues. Let's just go right after them. And so today we're going to be dealing with an issue that, man, I believe has the power, maybe more so than anything else, to just destroy marriages, maybe faster than anything else, to, to completely break apart families, and to cause people to live, just millions of people that live with an incredible amount of shame and an incredible amount of guilt and condemnation. And today we're gonna to be talking about the issue of sexual sin. <coughs> get a little quiet, get a little tense up in here. Uh gets a little awkward. I mean, that's what we're talking about when we talk about sacred cows that the church has. It gets people don't want to talk about these types of things. And you're kind of like, Great, I I picked this Sunday to attend church. It's gonna be one of those mm, type of a sermons. And so I assure you, we're gonna make it through just fine. Take a deep breath it's going to be okay, just, just don't look out of your peripheral, don't make eye contact with anybody, just kind of lock it in, it's going to be alright, and I decided that uh, because it is kind of some, somewhat of an awkward type of a subject matter, that anytime I feel awkward, which hopefully is not very often today, but anytime I feel awkward I might just bust out and, and tell a cow joke, okay, is that alright? So we're going to move right along today. Some of those sympathy laughs, all four of them were utterly terrible. <laughs> oh, so, there's a, utter jokes. They're, they're just, it's good. It's a good time. So everybody's smiling. Everybody's happy now. Now that we got that out of the way, I'm talking about sexual sin, but everybody's just like, okay, it's okay. It's going to be all right. I'm going to make you a few guarantees today because I think a message like this, I need to kind of set it up a little bit. First of all, I'm going to guarantee you that everything I'm going to talk about goes back to the Word of God and this is no different than any other sermon that's given here at life church but i think it's important that when we talk about sex that we consult the creator of it and so god create the god that we serve created it and so i think it's 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 that it makes sense that we should go back to the word of god what does he have to say about it the second guarantee is that uh, we're going to go after the heart of sexual sin not the manifestations of it and i think there's a big difference between the, between the two i think often The church likes to talk about the manifestations of sexual sin. We like to talk about how it plays out in the world that we live in. We like to say, "Don't do this. Don't do that. This is going to send you to hell." Don't you know? We we like to talk about the manifestations of hell, or excuse me, the manifestations of sexual sin. But we don't necessarily talk about as much the heart behind it. I believe that there is an there's a heart condition behind every single sexual sin. There's a heart that goes behind it. And we're going to go right after that today. And the third thing is, is that it's going to be appropriate, all right? Take a deep breath. It's going to be appropriate. Now, I have to make a little, uh, there's a little nuance to that guarantee, is that um, this is going to be appropriate for junior high and up, okay? And every, just so you know, every sermon that's preached here in this room or at the West Campus, every sermon is geared towards junior high and up. So if you have kids in here, and you don't want them to hear this, you know, what? I make no guarantees that it's going to be appropriate for, for kids that are younger than that. So that's why we've established Life Kids. I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't want any parents coming back and saying they weren't warned. So if you feel the need that you need to take your kid out, go ahead. Um, but please don't take your 18-year-old kid out because they, and think uh, they haven't heard about this yet. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want them hearing it. It's going to be all right. They've probably heard about it. They probably know a whole lot more than you would ever imagined. But I believe there's no better place to talk about sex than here at church. You know, I, and I thought I was going to get some hearty amens on that or something. At least some guys that, that throw a hand up and, yeah, let's, th- let's talk about it in church. So Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to read out of, and this kind of sets the table for everything we're going to talk about. Genesis 2, starting in verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man... And he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That is the first mention of sex in all of the Bible, and it happens right away in the Garden of Eden. And you might say, Ryan, they don't, that verse didn't even, the word sex isn't even in there. They're not even, what, what are you talking about? Well, I can, just, I can assure you today that in Hebrew, when this, this was originally written, the, the, the phrase, and they became one flesh, it's a whole lot more than hand-holding, okay? I mean, that, this is the first mention of sex. That's what it's talking about here. And the next verse, I think, is, is, is key to what we're going to talk about, Genesis twenty two twenty five. It says, Adam and his wife were naked, and they felt no shame. See, God's design for sex is for it to be within the context of a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, that he establishes that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 22 through 25, that that's what the context of sex is supposed to be. And in that context, there will be no shame. And that word shame literally is translated as embarrassment. There will will be no embarrassment. There will be no condemnation. That's the intended purpose for it. And inside of that, there will be no shame. But now, what we've seen a lot of times and what I've seen personally uh, in, just destroy so many lives is that people take sex and they take it outside of that context, whether it be physical or emotional or mental. I mean, Jesus even comes and he says that you can commit adultery in your heart. And so it's not just necessarily a physical act. In fact, I would venture to say that many of this, most of the sexual sin people deal with is not even a physical thing. It's more of a mental thing. It's more of an emotional thing. It's something, But anything, when you take it outside of the context of marriage, is sexual sin. And the antithesis of what God's intended purpose for it is that there's no shame. The exact opposite happens when you take sex out of marriage, is that there's an incredible amount of shame. There's an incredible amount of embarrassment there's an incredible amount of condemnation. And I believe with all my heart, I mean, I can't express to you the level of heartache that I feel when it comes to person after person that I've encountered that just feels so shame, so shamed, so embarrassed by the sexual sin that has overtaken their lives. And so today we're going to talk about it, and we're going to be pretty open about it. I believe that that's the, the major problem that we face is that so many people take sex outside of marriage and they feel an incredible amount of shame. I don't think I have to convince you for very long that there is a problem going on in the world that we live in when it comes to sexual sin. And it's even more so than just a problem. It's not like an isolated problem. It is an epidemic. It's something that has affected, I'd venture to say every single person in this room has been affected at least in some way by sexual sin. Whether it be for you personally or somebody that you love dearly, somebody who has, you've seen a marriage destroyed, you've seen lives just completely shattered because of it. I'll give you some statistics if, if you're not convinced that there's a problem going on. 72% of 18 to 36 year olds in America have viewed pornography in the last month. And I'm not, I, it, it, I don't even say 18 to 36 year old men. This is, not, this is no longer something that just affects men. In fact, a lot of studies are being done that women are, are viewing pornography at almost a similar rate to that of men. 56% of American pastors have viewed pornography in the last year. Now, I can tell you that I think that's probably part of the reason why the church is largely silent on this issue. The average age a boy sees pornography is 11 years old, and some studies would say it's, it's as young as 8 Across the world, there's 2 million slaves of sex, 300,000 of whom are children. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a problem with that. And get this, 70% of men and 60% of women will have an affair. I, I don't have to draw a whole lot of pictures to tell you uh, there's a problem. There's something going on that's not right. It's not God's intent it's not how it was supposed to be. And I, I, I could stand up here and be the morality police today, and we like to do that. Uh, my, my daughter, May, she's, um, she's going to be four in June, and she's like the morality cop in our house. I don't know if you have a kid like that, but she's constantly going around telling, if, if anybody does anything they're not supposed to, she'll be sure to correct them, okay? She, that's just how she's wired. And, and so um, anytime I talk about anything that could be construed as inappropriate, If I talk about smelly socks, okay, she comes up to me and says, Daddy, that's inappropriate. We don't talk about that. And exactly like that, I'm like, what do you know? You know, what do you know? So I I saw her the other day line up all of her dolls and stuffed animals in her room in a row and go one by one and discipline them (laughs) and tell them. I, I was just listening to it, all the naughty things that they did, and she just goes, One by one by one. It's just, uh, I could stand up, I could be the morality police today and tell you all the things that you're not supposed to do. But Jesus doesn't do that. And in fact, you look through the New Testament and there's a few different instances where Jesus talks to somebody that's dealing with sexual sin and never once does he condemn, never once does he judge. In fact, when it comes to this area of sexual sin, it almost appears that Jesus, that there's like this, this ultimate amount of compassion and grace. And it's the exact opposite of what we would normally think, that Jesus would just come and just say, you need to just stop doing that. You just need to get some self-control for crying out loud and just stop it. But he doesn't do that. And I believe today that Jesus wants to extend you a whole lot of grace. If you're in this room and you're just, you're just dealing with things in your heart, that you know are not God-honoring when it comes to the area of sexual fulfillment, and you're, you're dealing with sexual impurity in your life, I believe that th- th- we're not up here to just get up here and just condemn you and just judge you. And I think it's time that us as a church, that we start just showing compassion. The Bible says in one instance when Jesus was dealing with a woman that was a prostitute, it actually says that he was moved to compassion. It only says that five times in the entire New Testament that Jesus was moved to compassion. And I believe Jesus wants to show you the ultimate amount of compassion and grace and mercy. I I hope that you leave here with hope, not with guilt. Uh, You know, It's never been guilt that leads to uh, repentance. The Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. And that's what I believe. Sometimes we, we take the wrong approach when talking about this issue. I believe Jesus wants to show you compassion and grace and an alternative jesus didn't come to just point out the problem he came to offer us a solution and we're going to read about it in just a minute out of john chapter four but before we get there i think it's important there's a couple of things that are 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 very common when it comes to sexual sin that it's important to understand first of all sexual sin is easy i don't know if you didn't know that maybe you thought sexual sin was difficult but sin in general is not difficult Maybe for you, you're like, ah, it's difficult for me. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. For me, sin comes easy for me. I'm a pastor, and sin comes very natural. There's, I can get angry like that. I'm just going to tell you. You ever driven with me before? Please, no. I, I try not to give people rides because it's just they might just see some things they don't want to see. But I, I can get angry like that. I can get angry at a complete stranger who doesn't see the sign on the road that says slower traffic keep right on the freeway and they go 60 miles per hour in a 65 which when it says 65 it really means 75 i don't know if you knew that that's what's implied by that i didn't somebody just told me that i don't even know where i heard that but it wasn't me but i've lived by that a little bit and um so this person is going way under the speed limit and it says slower traffic keep right get over for crying out loud i mean I can get angry in a second. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. That's one of those areas that I just, I just struggle with because I'm, I'm just like I'm having a little bit of an ulcer going on right here. I just can't. I don't even have anywhere to be. It's like, there's, it's like I'm coming home from work. It's like it doesn't even, I don't even really care when I think about it, but I just, I can't, eh, I can't do it. So uh, sin for me is easy, and I don't know why we have this problem admitting that um but i don't think sexual sin is a whole lot different than that to be honest with you i think it comes very natural i think it's something that none of us are immune from and you might say well ryan i don't deal with this i don't deal with these struggles i don't this doesn't really apply to me this is like a message for all the perverts out there okay i assure you sir ma'am if that's you today the bible says in in, i believe it's in first corinthians chapter 10 uh, where paul talks about he says stand firm lest you should fall. He says, just be careful. Be on your guard. Don't just think that you're immune from that. I believe everybody is susceptible to sexual sin. It comes very natural oftentimes. See, what happened in the Garden of Eden is when man sinned, it ushered in. Things that were supposed to be unnatural became natural. Things that were not supposed to be God's design at all entered the world. And and so for some reason things that are not supposed to be God's design, they're not supposed to be the way God created us, become very natural. And I laugh when people talk about the specific area. I'm just going to use this in a, as an example. But homosexuality, this is a big issue in our society today. Over the last 20 years, it is just, it's, just, it's all over the news. It's everything, everybody's always talking about it. And the, the argument is often that's just the way they were born. That's just natural for them. That's just the way it is. And I would contend that just because something is natural does not mean it's God's design. I, I, I believe that there's a lot of sexual sins that come natural for people. It's just, it, just, it just feels like that's just the way I'm wired. That doesn't mean that it's God's design. I, I believe that's why being a Christ follower can be mo- one of the most difficult things in the world because it's counterintuitive to our own instincts and our own sinful and our fallen nature. Sin is easy, sexual sin, it's easy. Another thing is sexual sin is never satisfied. Sexual sin is never satisfied. It's a process. It's, it's an addiction. It's something that always needs more and more and more. The Bible even points this out in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. It says, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty says, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. It's something that is always going to need more and more and more. Somebody doesn't just wake up one day and just say, Well, you know, I think I'm just going to run off with this person. I'm going to destroy my marriage. I'm going to completely embarrass and shame my kids and my family. And I'm just going to go do my own thing for one moment of sexual satisfaction. I don't think somebody just wakes up one day and just decides they're going to just go do that. It's something that starts out as an enticement, it leads to a pestering. I mean, you just look through the through the, um, the, the story of Samson and Delilah, and it starts out as just it's one thing. We use the phrase, one thing led to another, okay? Well, it's a process. It's something that just keeps going and going and going. And the third thing is this, sexual sin feels hopeless. It feels hopeless. The level of hopelessness that so many people feel in this area is overwhelming. And this week, just as preparing this message, I, just several times, just, it was so heavy on my heart, just the level of hopelessness. You walk in you, on a Sunday morning, you put on your, your, your happy face, and you're kind of all, everything's good, and you don't want anybody, but deep down, man, there's just a hopelessness that you feel. And you might say, Ryan, I've been dealing with this issue for 30 years. For a long, long time, I thought when I got married that it was going to go away, and it didn't, and it's just, it's taken root in my heart, and it's something that I can't, it's just, and you buy into the lie that says it's always going to be that way. That's just, that's just the, the way it is. It, it is what it is. And I believe that God wants to do something in your heart today. And I'm not, I don't think for a second that God doesn't have the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in us. That's what we celebrated last weekend, that we can have that same power to overcome death, the grave, and any sexual sin that we will ever face. I believe that we have the power to overcome that, and we have the hope of Jesus Christ. And today I want to offer that to you. I want to offer you grace, not condemnation. And so let's take a look at how Jesus does this in Scripture. In John chapter 4, there's There's about three different stories that I could point to in scripture that would all have a very similar application, but I went with this story of of the woman at the well. Many of you know this story, you've heard it before, but it's it's an incredible story of grace and redemption, and I believe it's the answer, it's the antidote to sexual sin today. Uh, Just to set up the story a little bit, this woman, she is a Samaritan woman, and Jesus is a Jewish man. And so in that society that they lived in, a Jewish man would never speak to a Samaritan at all. They wouldn't, even, they wouldn't speak to a Samaritan man and especially not a Samaritan woman. That was something that you just did not do in this culture. And Jesus, being a Jewish man, approaches this woman who is a Samaritan woman. And I'm going to paraphrase some of this story. I'm going to read some of it. And then some of it I'm going to kind of skip through and kind of give you the essence of it. But he asks her for a drink of water. Jesus says, can I have a drink of water? They're at this well. And uh, the woman is just like, what, what are, you, are you, are you talking to me? Are you, we're not supposed to be in communication with each other. What are you talking about? Are you talking to me? And he, he says in John chapter 4, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks for, for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, just to clarify um, I'll give Jesus a get-out-of-jail-free card on this one. He talks in the third person. Everybody else, stop talking in the third person. It's just not, it's not okay. So, But Jesus, he's allowed to do that. He, he can talk in the third person. He can, he can do that. That's what he's doing here. He's referring to himself. And she doesn't know what he's talking about. She's just confused. She's like, what? Living water? What are you, we're at a well. What are you talking about? Crazy man. You know, I don't know if she said that, but I think she had to have been thinking it. What are you talking about? You have no rope. You have no bucket. That, how are you going to get this living water? What are you talking about? And Jesus continues. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And she, at this point, doesn't know that he... That he I mean, he, she thinks that he's talking about physical water. And she's just like, okay, well, I don't know who you are, but can I get some of that water? Because I'm sick and tired of coming here with my bucket and filling it up all the time. I, that water you talk about that I'm never going to thirst again, I, can I have some of that? And then Jesus and her go into this little dialogue where, where he says, go get your husband. You can have some of this water. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says that's right, you don't have a husband. In fact, you used to have, you've had five husbands, and he just begins to read her mail. You had five husbands, and now the guy that you're living with, he's not your husband either, is he? I don't know about you, but in that moment, if I were her, I mean, these are real people. This isn't like a parable. This isn't an analogy. This is something that really happened. And if I were her, I'd be like, okay, Dr. Phil, I'm going to just get out of here. What are you, this is, you're exactly right. And she actually says, I, I can tell that you're a prophet, is her line, which is another way of saying, you sure know how to call it. You're kind of a, a straight shooter. And she's like, okay. So she tries to change the subject and talk about worship, which I don't, I'd probably do the same thing. She's kind of like, she goes off on this tangent about worship. And Jesus says, uh, responds to her, he says, there's a time coming when the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And she says, I know Christ is coming. And when he does, not knowing that he's standing right in front of her, when he does, he'll explain all of this stuff to us. And then Jesus responds and he says, I who speak to you am he. You don't have to look any further. You don't have to to, to go anywhere else. I, I who speak to you am he. Now, this woman, um, I believe, just from the the context that we're we're given here, she's battling sexual sin. Uh, It doesn't explicitly come out and say that, but she's had five husbands, and now she's living with a guy that's not her husband. Suffice it to say, this lady has dealt probably for a very long time with sexual sin and impurity. And Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't condemn her. I mean, he reads her mail and calls it for what it is, but he does not speak judgment on her he offers her an alternative he offers her a solution and I think the same solution that he offers her Jesus is offering to us today this is one of those inclusive stories in Scripture where it's not just talking to the woman at the well because he says anyone who thirsts anyone its referring to anybody anybody who sees this who, who reads this anybody who comes in contact with me can receive the same exact thing there's a couple observations out of this passage of Scripture that I think are, are just very important for us to understand today. The first one is this. Our thirst is not the problem. Our thirst isn't the problem. What I mean by that is when Jesus is, is, is saying the word thirst in this Scripture, um, I believe he's talking about a desire for fulfillment. I mean, just reading through it, it's, it that, that's, I, I, at least that's how my simple brain works. I read that as a desire for fulfillment. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a literal thirst, a physical thirst. He's talking about a desire for fulfillment. And in this particular instance, he's talking specifically to this lady who's dealing with sexual sin. And he's talking about a desire for sexual fulfillment. And so often I think we can try to remove that. We think that the solution to all this is like, let's just get rid of the desire. Let's get rid of the thirst. If we can just contain the thirst... We can solve this problem. If we can just get rid of the thirst, we're going to solve this problem. But that's not what Jesus does. That's not what he offers. Jesus, God has created us with this desire for sexual fulfillment. I don't know why we get so worked up about it. Why we get so, I don't know, awkward about it. This is the way God has created us. It's not weird. It's not twisted. It's not dirty. It's the way God has created us. To live and created us to be he's created us with this desire for fulfillment and yes even sexual fulfillment but we get so caught up on that we get caught up on the thirst and we try to remove the thirst and there's been attempts at this and you'll see some of these attempts we say things like if all the ladies could just dress a little bit more modestly that would just really help everybody out We think that that will fix the problem. If 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 all the ladies would just stop wearing all that makeup, I don't know what it is about that goop you put on your face, but it just makes all these guys stumble. You just need to stop it. You just need to go to Fleet Farm, get a tarp, wrap it around yourself, tie it off. Don't tie it too tight though, because you know we we think that that's the problem. And we think that for guys, we say you just need to get rid of cable. You need to get rid of your computer. You need to throw it out the window. You need to smash it. You need to do whatever you have. To- you need to just uh, put blinders up anytime you go anywhere. So you, because just- it's everywhere you go. Every time you flip on the TV, every time advertisers they've used this. You can't even watch a commercial about a bar of soap without sex being sold. I mean, you watch the Super Bowl and you have to like look away every five seconds because the commercial. It's just everywhere you go. And if we could just remove that thirst, guys, just eject from society go live in some cabin in the woods and wait till jesus comes back and that's going to just somehow the desire is going to just go away and the problem with that and i'm first of all i'm not saying that guardrails these i'm talking about some guardrails guardrails are not necessarily a bad thing okay Uh, i'm not i'm not saying that i'm not saying that some of the things are that you don't need to put up some guardrails in your life i'm not saying that some of you that's that's what you need to do that's that's a step in the right direction But don't be mistaken. Putting up guardrails are profoundly secondary to the condition of the heart. And so often we like to put up all these guardrails. Let's just build a fence and put it around me and I'm going to be okay and nobody's going to be able. But it's a condition of the heart. God has put a a desire for sexual fulfillment in us. It will get out if we do not submit that to Jesus Christ. I I just believe it with all my heart. Our thirst is not the problem. The problem is is that we're drinking the wrong water. The problem is that we're drinking the wrong water. Jesus tells this lady, she, He basically tells you, you're drinking the wrong water. You have this desire for sexual fulfillment and you're, you're searching in all the wrong places. That's never going to fulfill your desire for sexual, sexuality. That, that's never going to fulfill that. You're searching in all the wrong places. You're drinking the wrong water. If you keep drinking that water, you're just going to need more. You're just going to be more thirsty and more thirsty. I don't know. It's, it's kind of like soda. Uh, growing up in Minnesota, we call it pop, except it sounds more like this pop. It's like this Minnesota accent thing going on, but uh, pop. So we drink pop, and, and it, it continues to need more and more. I don't know, about, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but, but soda does not quench your thirst. In fact, studies have been done. Uh, soda actually makes you more thirsty. It's kind of the genius behind soda. I wish I had bought stock in Coca-Cola early on because it's genius how they do this, but it never satisfied. It it just needs more and more and more. And Jesus is telling this lady, you're just going to need more. You're going to marry this guy. He's going to be your sixth husband, and that's not going to work out, and you're just going to move on to the next one and the next one. It's never going to satisfy. You're in this cycle. You need to get out Today. You keep drinking this water and you're going to need more. I believe he's telling us the same exact thing today. You keep drinking that water and you're going to need more. You keep looking at pornography late at night when nobody else knows that this is going on and you're going to need more. You keep playing out these scenarios in your mind with somebody other than your spouse and you're going to need more. There's only one solution. There's only one antidote. And can I tell you, it's not even your spouse. Ah, There's this misnomer out there that uh, the day I get married, every every sexual temptation, every sexual urge is just going to fade away, and it's going to be all good, and and I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And without raising your hands, married couples in here can tell you that's not the case. If you're dealing with sexual sin now, you will deal with it when you get married because it's not a spouse that's meant to fulfill all of your desires. It's the living waters of Jesus Christ that is meant to fulfill your desires. And I believe that that is the only answer today. I believe that it is impossible to live a a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and to have sexual sin and to be entrapped in sexual sin. Not that you'll have have temptations. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted and tried in every way, yet was without sin. There's going to be temptation. There's going to be urges. There's going, it's going to be there. We live in a fallen world, but I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the only answer. And you might say, Ryan, that sounds like a real Sunday school answer, okay? You're just going to tell me the correct answer is Jesus. And somehow that's, that's just going to make everything work out. I would tell you, yes. I don't have some secret formula. I don't have like some one, two, threes to getting out of sexual sin. Jesus doesn't give us that either. He just says simply, drink my water and you won't thirst again. You'll be completely satisfied in me. And you might say, well, I've tried that before. One time, you know, I got on my hands and knees and I just began to cry out to God and I asked him to remove this, this, uh, the, this sexual sin from my life. And it worked for a couple of weeks, and everything was going well, but then I just fell right back into the same exact trap, the same exact sin. Well, I'm sure you did, because you probably stopped drinking the water. Uh, I mean, if you don't drink for th- water for three days, I mean, you're going to die. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just part of how we're made up. If, if you just stop drinking the living waters of Jesus Christ and just think, if I just take a sip... It's going to just zap me and everything's going to be all right. If that were the case, everybody on earth would be a Christ follower. I mean, it, just, it would be a no-brainer because that's just so easy. I, just take a, I can just ask Jesus into my life and everything's just going to fade away. Everything's going to be all right. But it's something that requires constantly drinking the living waters of Jesus Christ. You might, might ask, well, how in the world do I do that? I don't have some clear-cut answer for you today. I don't have. If you will just do this and this and this, then you, every if you just do these three things every day, that you're just going to have the living waters of Jesus Christ, and it's just going to be a part of you, and you're not you're going to be able to. I don't have anything like that. I can tell you that it starts by simply surrendering to Him. The Bible says uh, in Romans ten nine that if we confess with our mouth that we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. I mean, I believe that it starts with surrendering to him. It starts by yielding to him. It starts by trusting in him. It starts by taking time for him, by worshiping him, by thinking about him, by talking to him, by asking for help. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive it. To ask Jesus to fully satisfy your every desire. I don't know how it is going to work for every person in this room, but you know how you're wired. You know what works for you. You know what you need to do. And I don't think I need to spell it out any further and tell you that there's a problem going on with sexual sin. I think we all understand it. I think we all realize it. But I want to tell you today with 100% certainty, I believe that Jesus can and will set you free. If I didn't believe that, I would not be standing up here today. I'm just an average guy. And if the living waters of Jesus Christ can work for me, I know it can work for you if it can work for my parents, I know it can work for you. If it can work for my family, I, I know it can work for you. I mean, the Bible, it's either true or it's not, and either the entire thing is true or the entire thing is false, and I'm just telling you, I know that it's true. I know that this is the only way to Jesus Christ. This is the only way to overcome any sin that we might be dealing with. I think getting in a life group and and uh, setting up an accountability partner and, and really uh, you know, setting up some guardrails in your life, I think they are important. Don't get me wrong. I think that those things are important. But they are so secondary to allowing Jesus to be your ultimate source of fulfillment, your ultimate source of satisfaction. There's a verse in, in Ephesians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And I just want to close with this today. Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I love the way the message uh, translates this passage. It says it like this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request or in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. I believe today with all my heart that if you are battling sexual sin, and I know that this has been a heavy topic and a heavy sermon. Believe me, as preparing it, I, I was just a little bit like, wow, I, I drew the short straw on this one or something, because it, this is a difficult, difficult topic but I believe that there is only one answer. And I don't know how else to say it, and I know that it sounds so simplistic. It sounds so, uh, you know, idealistic. But I believe it's the only answer. It's the only antidote. It's to have the living waters of Jesus Christ in our life, to surrender it to God, to drink His water every single day. The Bible says that we will never thirst again.